Today, we're going to do something a little different. Rather than speaking with a former WRUF staffer, we are really happy to have Drew Copeland of Sister Hazel with us, and we're going to talk with him about the impact that Rock 104 and other radio stations had on him and his band uh, for their career, among other things. So, Drew, thanks so much for joining us. Man, really glad to be here. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So we were talking uh, just before we got started. Your primary residence is in Gainesville now, right? You have you're yeah, still there. Still live in Gainesville. Yeah, we we uh, Ken and I both still live in Gainesville. With what we do, we had an option of living kind of anywhere we wanted, but uh, Gainesville has always been a great support system for us. Our families are from there, and so uh, yeah, still live in Gainesville. That's How awesome. different is it today than than back then? Uh, you know, it's growing faster than I would like it to, but you know, it still has. The cool thing about a university town like that is that there's a there's a constant rotation of youth through the city, and so it still has that feel to it. But it's growing up quite a bit, and it's starting to spread a little bit as well. But it's it's still Gainesville. I love it. You know, it's funny because people that aren't from there, it's it always feels good to hear people compliment coming to Gainesville and like wanting to come back even after school. So love Gainesville. So, Drew, before we get into the radio stuff, give us a quick origin story of the band. How did you guys get formed in Gainesville? So, back uh, back in 91, I had just moved back into town, and uh, I was at a University of Florida, uh, University of Tennessee um, tailgating party at some friend's house right across from the stadium, and I met Ken. It was the first time that I'd met Ken, even though we both were f- from Gainesville um, and went to different high schools. Uh, we had mutual friends, but had never met. And, um, we were all enjoying ourselves, um, before the game. And he picked up an acoustic guitar and started playing peaceful, easy feeling. And I started singing harmonies with him. And, uh, I'm sure a lot of it had to do with the, uh, with the, the social lubrication that people had been participating in, but our (laughs) friends were like, man, you guys sound great together. You know, that's amazing. And, and, uh, so we, uh, we started doing some acoustic stuff around town together and a little while after that ken said look he'd been in bands his whole life and so he was like i want to i want to do the band thing as well you know with this i want to incorporate this in a, in a band setting and uh so he put up some flyers looking for people that wanted to join uh this is kind of was kind of a different project for him because he had been in real heavy uh bands the heavy metal stuff and this was a little different and uh, so he put up flyers looking for people, and and Jet Barris, our our bass player, he was the first one to respond, and he came out and saw us do our acoustic duo thing at a couple of different places in Gainesville, and and uh, the band formed um, originally in '93, and we had a different drummer and a different guitar player, but right around the end of '94, '95 is when we got the final lineup that has been together now for. 29 years, 28 years we've been together. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a long road. It's good. It's good stuff. What are some of your favorite spots you played when you were just starting out with the band? Did you have certain spots in Gainesville that you really, yeah. really liked yeah, to play? Rickenbackers, like by far, that was our, that was our stomping grounds and the Florida theater too. That's where we, we uh, did the video for all for you uh, as well as the streets of Gainesville university Avenue. We use that as, as some settings for uh, the all for you video. But yeah, we had we had great. It, I just I won't forget the feeling of the first few times selling out Rickenbackers and you know going on stage and just seeing that place packed and you know that I still I still really enjoy 
a uh, little bit smaller venues that get hot and sweaty and, and have a ton of people having a good time. Those are still some of my favorite shows. So yeah, I would say Rick and Bockers in the Florida theater were huge for the band. There's a really good scene in uh, the movie, that thing you do where the band kind of hears themselves on the radio for the first time. And the, you see all the different scenes of them around town and they're kind of going crazy. Do you recall something like that for you guys? The first time oh. you heard yourself on radio? Absolutely. In fact, it's it's a pretty classic story for this band. Um, we had gotten the bright idea to buy uh, a tour bus for ourselves um, to to tour around in, and this is back when we were still selling discs or you know doing doing stuff out of the back of our van. We bought a we decided to buy a bus, and as things progressed, the bus slowly fell apart, and we were on the side of the road basically at one point and had to get into a rider truck. So we had all of our gear all the band, most of the band was sitting in the back with the gear. We had like little lawn chairs and a cooler of beer or whatever. And there was a pass through that went to the, to the front of the, the rider truck. And at the time our, our sound engineer was, was driving and, and, uh, this was on a Sunday and I forget exactly where we were going, but he turned up the radio and he goes, guys, listen, you know, he yelled back to us and Casey Kasem came on and said, you know, for the first time cracking the top 40, here's a little band out of Gainesville, Florida, Sister Hazel with All For You. And, man, we were all like, we did it. We made it. You know, <laughs> we'll never be in a rider truck again. And, of course, that happened numerous times since then. But, <laughs> so uh, you went yeah. straight to the top 40? We we were when, – when we broke the tro- top 40, that was the first time. When we heard it, we were, wow. in, a, we were in a rider truck. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. That is an amazing story, yeah. Yeah. So – so how does the local radio, do you, do you recall how, how you got into local radio? Was it kind of banging the door down? And I know oh, uh, I think you said you had, you guys did have a relationship with rock 104 and maybe Harry. Absolutely. Harry Guscott. Harry was a big part for the band as well, as far as us, you know, getting our foot in the door with radio. But yes, that was our, our, our mode was we were not afraid to go knock on the door and say, Hey, you know, here's our stuff you know, let us come in. And thankfully rock, rock one Oh four was a big part of allowing us to come in and do, we did interviews and they played our stuff on the radio. And, and, uh, we, honestly, we kind of used that model across the country as we were, especially around the Southeast, as we were trying to get the word out about the band. So rock one Oh four was a big part of that. And, and being allowed, I've never free, you know, back in those days, man, uh, getting to come in the radio station at rock one Oh four was thrilling. You know what I mean? Like, and, and if you're a kid from Gainesville, I was born in Alachua General Hospital and, and uh, grew up in Gainesville. You know, that's what you listen to was Rock 104. And so you get on the radio and you'd, you'd come out and your friends were, you know, like waiting on you going, dude, I heard you on Rock 104. You know, it was, it was good stuff. Yeah. Do you remember who the jocks were when you went in there? Do you still remember Todd them? Was there. Todd was there at, at one point. I can't remember everybody. Ken is way better at men in that stuff than was I do. Was it Todd but, Lewis? Yes, Todd Lewis. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I did the morning show with him, Todd and Spano okay, yeah, in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, man, it was good times, no doubt. I, I you know, I, I miss those times in radio because there was there were a lot of uh, college stations and mom and pop stations across the country that were a huge part of us being allowed to do what we do, and uh, it was nice to be able to go into those places and just kind of you know, you're, you're, you're pushing yourself. You don't get to do that now. Like it's, it doesn't work that way anymore. Really. I mean, there are a few mom and pop radio stations, but the way it works now, man, it's all, I think two people own like all the radio stations in the country or something. Sure. You know, crazy sure. Yeah. So, very different. Was it universal that signed you originally? 
Universal. Yep. They, so how, they, how does that happen? Do they hear so, you on, on top 40 and they're like, we got a sign to spend or where you no, already no, signed? No, but, no, that happened. That happened after we got on with them. But the, uh, the funny thing about that was because of like, you're like, we're talking about the, the mom and pop radio and, and uh, rock one Oh four all for you started getting radio play because of us doing our, you know, we did our kind of concentric circles around Gainesville and started getting broader and broader and broader. And we were taking up airtime. And so that caught the eye of somebody up in New York. And they were like, Hey man, there's this band that's got this song that's taking up spots down at these radio stations in Florida and the Southeast. And we need to go check them out. And they sent people down to come see us play. And uh, it wasn't long after that, that, Mark Trojanowski and Ken flew up to New York and and uh, and had a meeting with them and they offered us a record deal, so it was a pretty big deal. I think we very were the cool. very first. I think we were the very first. In fact, I'm pretty sure we were the first rock artists on Universal to, to have a platinum record. Wow! That's yes. Awesome. What are those meetings with those local stations? What? How did? How does that go? You go and you drop off your cd or tape yeah. or you stay and yeah. talk to them what what is a meeting like well it's like you you basically you go in and you you try to charm whoever's sitting at the desk when you walk in and they say can we help you you know and you say hey look we're a band we're from here we you know this and that we're playing in town and i mean we would walk in with our guitars at, at most of the time and we'd say here's our stuff and if we hit the right person at the right time they would go well hold on one second they'd go get somebody i mean that's what was cool about back in the day is the programs weren't so strict that they couldn't go, well, come in, you know, let's, let's you know, play a song. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was, that was a real benefit for us because we could sit down and, and, and at the time, you know, Ken and I's vocals were, were blending pretty well. And so sitting down with an acoustic guitar and singing some harmonies acoustically was a, was a good thing for us. Do you remember the Gainesville alternative music Alliance or gamma? Oh Yeah. Absolutely. They had, yeah. they had a show on Rock 104 that a couple of the guys we've spoken with, you know, they worked on them and they specifically remembered you guys. And um, I, want, I want to know if that was, uh, if you had any stories about them and, and that show. You know, I, I, I know that we uh, were very, and I still am very proud of the music scene um, during that time period. It was, it was actually kind of the beginning of what seemed to be more of a collective effort together to push a music scene rather than a competitive scene. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't band against band. And it was, it was more like, Hey man, local music and original music is cool. Let's support that all of us together. And, and that was, I feel like that was kind of, I'm not saying at all that we were the beginning of that, but I feel like that we were there during that movement and it felt really good. And it was part of the reason we were successful. And that, that brings me to a question I, I might've asked you later, but do you consider other bands and you, like there's a class of whatever it would be, 93, 94, 95. And as you went along, was there any sort of competition or was it more support as you've gone through all the years? Do you keep your eyes on those bands that you were coming up with? A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and it was, it was support. It was not competition. Now I'd be lying if I didn't say that there were a few bands that maybe our personalities didn't click as well as other bands, but that was few and far between. Um, but that whole, and I know, I know it's like, it's like me bragging on my own children or whatever, but the music from that time period, man, the nineties, uh, 
it was honest and, and the songwriting was, was genuine and the bands were genuine and it wasn't, you know, that's still, we were putting stuff to tape that wasn't, you know, it wasn't digital back, you know, back early nineties. We hadn't gone digital. It was still, uh, everything was going to tape. There's an authenticity to, to that music back then that I'm proud of. And, and the, you know, we do keep up with a lot of those bands, um, that came up during that time period. And, uh, it's kind of fun because for those of us that were lucky enough to continue doing this for a living, there's kind of a resurgence and a reappreciation for, uh, the music that came out of the nineties. Man, I love it. It's like a, its own separate genre of rock that early to mid nineties. And back then, back then they called it alternative rock, uh, because it was an alternative to the classic rock, right? To the bands you've heard on rock stations all the time. So anything that wasn't that classic rock was alternative rock, but it was really a subgenre, really, that was almost like a college rock kind of kind of thing. And man, I have a playlist of that, of just those bands, and yeah. I, just, I love that little niche genre of rock, man. And you guys, you know, we're well, at the top know, of the so list. It's funny. It's funny though because if you think about those bands, you think about well, it was Tabitha Secret, but then it was Matchbox Twenty, and you got Gin Blossoms, and you got Us. And you got uh, toward the wet sprocket. Toward the wet sprocket. You know, I can't can name them all. <laughs> yeah, but think about this. But think about this. So if we all came out right now with that music, where would where would you put us? I, you know what? I just had this conversation with my wife the other day. I said a lot of this type of music nowadays would probably be country. Exactly. It's so crazy, man. Because the country, the country genre went from this. And, and it, it involved, it was like the, the true, you know, deep root country stuff to this. And we were right, you know, we were kind of out here. It, we weren't rock. You couldn't put us in, you know, we, we although we love playing old Van Halen songs, you know, you couldn't put us in with Zeppelin and Van Halen and everybody else. But we weren't country. But now country did this. And yeah. so now there's all these bands that fit right in that. I mean, honestly, Tom Petty if Tom Petty was right now, Tom Petty would be country more, more than likely be a country act. So I'm thankful for that because uh, country music fans have embraced us um, and, and not, not shunned us because of where we came from They They actually buy tickets to shows. They buy, still buy music. It, it's a good thing for us because really our, our, the, the place where radio stations like rock one Oh four would have played us. They've disappeared. You know what I mean? It, it's not, there's not really a station for what we do necessarily. Um, if you don't count what country music is doing now. So yeah, yeah, I find that pretty interesting. It did. I mean, there, if you think back to when I was a kid, maybe when you were a kid, seventies, eighties, early eighties country music, that style kind of disappeared and it changed to where it was like Garth Brooks and Alan Jackson. And now it's Kenny. It went from twang. Yeah. And it just kind of all blended together, you know? And so I I think it makes sense that you guys would find that audience now. Yeah. Um, yeah, That's kind of cool. You brought up Petty. And uh, did he ever call you guys when when you got signed or or when when you made it, you know, reaching out another? Tom did not. But Stan Lynch, who was a drummer for Petty and the Heartbreakers for the first, you know, couple of decades, uh, he did. And he, you know, Stan has a has a residence in out in Melrose and over at Crescent Beach, and he called us when we were in the studio, um, doing kind of a a touch up on All for You and a couple of songs off that first record, and he said, "Hey man, if you guys, you know, congratulations, 
That's another band from Gainesville. And if you guys ever need anything, please let me know. And Stan and I literally have been like brothers for, you know, for as long as I can remember. I mean, he has been such a great influence on me. And I would really credit him for he's produced some stuff for us and things like that um, and, and played with us on a couple of different things that we've done. But I would really credit Stan for uh, keeping this band together um, through some rough times. You know, uh, he had been in a band, obviously, for a long time and knew the ins and outs. And his mantra was really always, even though his time with Petty ended and it went and him and Tom didn't get along great towards the end. They did. They did patch things up, thankfully, before that was all over. But Stan's mantra was always, man, keep the band together. And so if I called him whining about whatever it was I was whining about, he would go, man, that's a number two with cheese. Here's how you handle that. You know, he was like, that's, I got that covered. Um, and he had a lot of things that we called Stanisms, And um, they were just great little bits of wisdom um, that he would give each one of us uh, if and when we needed it. So, yeah, there was a relationship there. And I will say, man, we were very sad. I mean, like crushed at Tom's passing because – we all had the ultimate dream of doing a run of shows with them. And that was something that we weren't able to achieve. So, uh, but yeah, man, that huge influences on this band for sure. Were there other local Gainesville bands before you guys broke that were really inspirational to you guys, other than maybe petty bands that made it big or didn't make it big. Yeah. You know, that we had a group of friends that were in, they had a band called uh, house of dreams but it was Jack and Britton were the acoustic duo that used to play around Gainesville all the time. And it was something that kind of Ken and I molded our acoustic deal kind of after Jack and Britton. And um, they ended up having a, a band called House of Dreams and they went on, they had a record deal and things like that. It didn't quite work out. But the funny thing about that is Jeff Coffey, who played bass for him, ended up being, he was the lead singer for Chicago for several years, uh, just a few years ago. Um, and playing with them, and he does his own thing. Um, Jack Sizemore uh, is in Jason Aldean's band, um, and he has been his guitar player for a long time. Britton Cameron uh, is a songwriter. Uh, he's a singer-songwriter in Nashville that has had a lot of success just writing songs and, and producing records up in Nashville. Tom Hurst is a drummer that's played uh, with probably everybody that you could think of and actually comes out and plays with us occasionally. His mom still lives in Gainesville, um, and so he comes to Gainesville quite often. But they all had success in their own way. But they were really – they were brothers during that time period uh, for us. In fact, Tom and I lived together uh, for a while. It was kind of funny because Tom was living out in, in, um, in San Francisco as the band was taken off. So we were touring a lot. And Tom came back to Gainesville. He was moving back to Gainesville. He was actually the drummer for a band called What It Is. I don't know if you guys remember What It Is, but uh, he was a he was a drummer for What It Is. Anyway, he moved back to Gainesville about the time that we were touring a bunch. And I said, yeah, man, move in with me. And we lived together for, I'd say, at least six to eight months and never saw each other. Because every time I'd come home for a couple of weeks, he'd be gone. And every time he'd come home, I'd be gone. Um, but yeah, man, we had, we were very fortunate to have a lot of support and just some brothers in music, uh, during that time period. It's the best kind of roommate. The one that's hardly ever there. Yeah. Yeah. He, he felt that way. He was like, man, you're the best roommate ever. I was like, yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned Nashville and I, I'm assuming a lot of these musicians, uh, you know, moved to Nashville and sort of got swept up in that music scene, which is just phenomenal there. 
when I, uh, after 104, uh, I worked in South Florida. I worked at 94.9 Zeta. I did Zeta Goes Local I, for, for a long time. Then I worked at the Buzz in West Palm Beach. So I worked with a lot of local bands and in that scene. And at that time when I was there, you know, there was a downtrend for rock bands. They weren't getting signed. The money wasn't there for labels. There were, I mean, there were, the talent was there, but yeah. they just weren't, be, you know, rock rate rock was, was on a downtrend. A lot of those musicians packed up, moved to Nashville. And now guys are in, uh, Morgan Whalen's band. Uh-huh. Um, shoot. Who's the other guy? Tyler Farr, Tyler Farr's band. These guys are, are, I guess, pretty big in the country music scene. I don't know it personally, but yeah. you know, they're the musicians in their bands are from the South Florida rock scene from back in the 2000s. And, uh, you know, they didn't make it as a rock band, but, man, they moved to Nashville and got swept up, and now they're playing sold-out stadiums. Yeah, man, I will tell you, here's what I'll tell you about Nashville. For for people like me that have had a level of success and been able to have a career in music for as long as I have, I go to a place like Nashville – and work and write songs and record songs and deal with managers and booking agents and everything else. And if you've got your head just even kind of screwed on right, you know right then that you should get on your knees and say thank you because you got struck by lightning and you were able to have a – because, man, that town is full of better singers, better songwriters, better musicians, smarter guys. It's like – it's just, you just, there, there's an element to what we do that you just have to get lucky. You have to have the right song at the right time. Now, granted, you have to work hard and make good decisions once you've been given the opportunity, but that town is full. The guy mowing the yard next door can write better songs than I can. You know what I mean? It's like, it's that, it, it, it just really is. It's one of those towns. I'm serious, man. Um, I've sat down in songwriter meetings before with guys and, and we'll be writing a song and we'll get to a part where we're, you know, we need to, all right, let's sing it. You know, how's it sound? We sing it. And the, the, the writer I'm with starts singing and I'm like, I'm never singing again after hearing, you know, it's like, <laughs> I'm like they're so good, you know? Um, but yeah. And that, and that's what happened. And that, I guess that's kind of what I'm saying with the guys from uh, house of dreams is they were all excellent musicians and they went on and some of the guys ended up in Nashville and, and are still, you know, able to make a living in music. Gainesville, man, that whole area, is rich with musical talent. And it was during that time period. And there's a lot to be proud of, of the bands and the artists uh, and the people that have come out of Gainesville. There, there's a lot there to be proud of. And rock 104 was a big part of that. Drew, I want to ask you one more thing and then I will let you go. Cause I know you got a busy day and you're, you're uh, you have a show tonight. Um, Gator growl in 98 and 2013, right? These yeah. are probably two very different experiences. Do you, can you talk about those two experiences for us? Yeah, and, and we've actually uh, been a part of it uh, more times than that. But man, um, ninety eight just uh, it, it, there is no comparison. Ninety eight when this is back when they still put the stadium, they still put the stage in the south end zone, and you're talking about filling the rest of the stadium with people, and, and including when they would let the students come down on the field. You know, they'd let people down there and then the stadium was still full. It was it was massive. And, and we did this cameo uh, where, you know, we got on the on the big screen and we were like talking about being Gators. And at the very end, Ryan goes, you guys didn't think we'd miss Gator growl. And all of a sudden, man, these fireworks shoot off the front of the stage. We start playing. You know, it, it was it, 
honestly, it might be the coolest thing that ever happened. I mean, I've done, we've done a lot of cool things. That might, be, for me, as a guy from Gainesville, might be the coolest thing of all time. My parents, and this part of the story, I don't. It, it's weird when I tell this part because I don't understand why my parents weren't actually there um, that night. Because <laughs> I, gr- I grew up about a mile and a half from the stadium, uh, right down Twenty Second, kind of near Hogtown Creek, and um, my parents were home that night, and they had the sliding glass doors open. They said they could hear the stadium singing "All for You," which wow. is like, yeah, it's very yeah. cool. Doesn't give. Were you there then, that. Dan? In '98? No, I got there January '99. Yeah, I was there at '98 Gator Growl, man. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was crazy, man. So, so I mean, that, that one of the coolest memories for sure. I, I lied. I have one more question. Do you get a lot of Gator fans in the crowds? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. we were doing we were doing the Gator Chomp from stage last night. All right. So yeah, awesome. all the time. Yeah, we, and, and look, I, and I, I we wear it with pride. We, in fact, the way we kind of introduce ourselves is, you know, we're banned out of Gainesville, Florida. So, I mean, that's, um, yeah, the Gator, we, we wear that with a lot of pride for sure. Nice. So you guys are touring all summer. You're in Ohio tonight, right? In Ohio tonight and then somewhere tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I no, had to ahead. ask before this, I said, where are we right now? Because <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know where we were. So Does that fine. happen a lot? It must happen a lot. Yeah, it does because... Well, for me, it does because it doesn't really matter. Like, I, I, I know that when I get off the plane, there's probably going to be somebody there waiting to take me to the bus. And then once I get on the bus, yeah, you know, it doesn't really, I don't, you know, I don't, yeah. I, I guess I need to know what the weather is going to be to pack the right thing. But it, for the most part, it's, you know, next city, next city. And there are definitely guys on the bus that are much more aware of their surroundings than I am. But um, I, I don't know. I get my okay. How are, how are things on the tour bus different from those 90s days to, to now? We can't, we can't really go there. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, man, it has been a funny transition from the days (laughs) that that we had when we were young. And then we went through these phases where instead of there being, you know, alcohol bottles or, you know, whatever it was that you found on it, then, then we went through this where there's pacifiers and crayons from where we, you know, we are having kids and like we empty your pockets and you've got like stuff from your kids, you know, um, so now, you know, we're all, our kids are older and, um, and we're all like, we are, and I mean this sincerely, we are all just thankful that we've made it through everything that we've made it through and continue to like last night, man, it was a packed show and we got to get up and do what we love for a living. And we laugh and have fun and hopefully entertain a crowd. And, and we're all just genuinely really thankful for that. So it's, yeah, it's been a cool transition, but it is very different from what it was back then. <laughs> Uh, sure. sisterhazel.com, right? Yeah. yeah sisterhazel.com. You can find their tour dates uh, for all summer long tonight in, in Ohio and the, and the tour continues. Drew, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate this. And it was great to talk to you. Yeah. You too, guys. Take care. Yeah, Go Gators. Drew, this was awesome. Go Gators, Go Gators buddy. <laughs> if you'd like to be a guest on an upcoming episode, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or email us at don'ttapptheglasspodcast at gmail.com.